Good morning. Good to see you. And uh, uh, one kind of word of apology, I guess, first of all, and that's, uh, I know you had started a study together as a church in the book of Joshua, and I asked the deacons if I could go away from that. Uh, you know, you and I here have about a month together left now, and uh, I just wanted to be able to preach about some things that I wanted to preach about, and they've given me the freedom to do that. So, uh, sorry about Joshua, but, uh, you know, life goes on. In, in uh, Ephesians 3, verse 12, it says uh, that, uh, that because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. So please don't lose heart because of my trials here. I'm suffering for you so that you should feel honored. He says because uh, in the earlier verses he's talked about how Jesus Christ is kind of Lord over everything in the universe. And because uh, he's the king of kings over all things and because uh, he says because of that we can have confidence when we pray that he has the power to help us in our prayers. And as we uh, come today then to Ephesians 3, we're looking at the three prayers in the book of Ephesians. Last week, chapter 1, today 3, and next week, chapter 5. And we're uh, building on that idea of verse 13 that says, don't lose heart. Uh, you have to remember that for a Jew, uh, a Jewish phrase is that uh, the life is in the blood. And because uh, without blood, you know, flowing through you, you don't live very long, they saw the heart as the kind of the pump of life, that the heart was the thing that gave life to every part of you. And as a result of that, more and more it developed that the heart was the center of everything. It was, it was you know, your mind, your soul, your will, everything was summed up just in your heart. It was the core of who you were as a person. And he says, don't, don't let the struggles that Paul was going through and others. We heard about troubles even in the church today. Don't let that affect you negatively. And then he says in the next verse, 14, when I think of all this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. Because he says of the confidence that we have in Jesus Christ, I pray. We're talking uh, kind of the theme is prayer 2.0. How can we have, uh, invest in a deeper prayer life? Because most Christians are praying the same way they've prayed all their life. And generally it involves, you know, uh, as we've, we've done today appropriately, praying for people who are ill or people who are serving Christ around the world. But sometimes I think after you've prayed that way a long time, you long for something a little deeper, a little more meaningful. And if you look at Paul's prayers in the Bible, he usually talks more about spiritual qualities and growth and things at the core. Um, I, have a, I have a number of friends on Facebook, and one of my commitments to them is uh, to pray for them on their birthdays. And, um, and usually when I pray for them on their birthdays, I pray for God to bless them, and if... if you know, usually I try to take a part of one of the New Testament prayers and say, here's my prayer for you today on your special day. Because I think our prayers are much more significant than we realize. And it's just so easy to get into a very boring, commonplace prayer life that becomes the same thing over and over again. And that just starts to dry up. He says, I fall to my knees. Most people in New Testament times would stand to pray. 
you know, we're told that David would sit to pray. Uh, we're told that uh, other times Paul talks about falling on his face before God. And here it, it says, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, which, by the way, when he wrote this, he was in prison in Corinth. So uh, from a prison cell with all the chains and everything, I'm not sure it was real easy to... Uh, to uh, get on your knees. Uh, John Stott said, one of the best ways to discover a Christian's chief anxieties and ambitions is to study the context, I mean the content of their prayers and the intensity with which they pray them. And so look at the core of, of Paul's thinking here in verse 16. Here's what I pray for you. I pray, for, I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources... He will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. He kind of comes to really his central thesis statement for this prayer. Here's what I'm going to ask God for. First of all, as I've said in the earlier verses, he has these glorious unlimited resources. I was looking at the Greek text again, and really I think the literal translation of what the Greek text says is from the, from the riches of his glory. From the riches of his glory, he will empower you. And it's because of the wealth he has and because of the, the resources that God does have. He says, I'm asking God that he would give you the power. And the word again is a familiar word if you've, you've heard before, and that's dunamis. Word of dynamo, dynamite. It's not just a little like a little fizzle, like a little... Uh, you know, it's not like a little firecracker that you have on the 4th of July or something, one of those little black cats or something. It's more like the stuff they shoot up in the sky. My son-in-law loves to look at strange things on the Internet, like, like uh, uh, you know, ships that uh, take off, spaceships that take off and crash. Or uh, he especially likes fireworks. And in China, some of these huge fireworks that they have, that they have to dig into the ground hundreds of uh, hundred feet and put tubes in just to shoot these things up in the sky. And then it goes off and it's all over with. But he, he loves the, the technology of how they do that. And uh, it's kind of fun to watch, I will admit it. But, you know, God has this tremendous power to empower us at the inside of who we are with inner strength through his spirit, capital S, Holy Spirit. In John uh, 5, it says the father has life in himself and he has granted that same life-giving power to his son. So Jesus says God has power, again, the unlimited riches of his glory. He has this, you know, immeasurable, unlimited help. And he says the, the father has given the same power to the son. It's 1 Corinthians. Uh, for when we brought you the good news, it was not only with words, but it was with power. I think we've all heard messages, sermons, lessons in our life that were words. And we've also heard uh, messages that had power behind them. Sometimes someone who is not the most articulate person in the world has tremendous power in their speaking. And that usually can only come from one place, and that's from God's power. Our problem so often, Galatians uh, 3, is how foolish can you be after starting your new lives in the Spirit why are you now trying to become perfect in your own human effort? I would assert to you that that's one of the core problems of the human race, is that we, we come to Christ and we, we trust him to save us, to take us to heaven, 
But our problem is we, we don't, we keep falling into trying to do it in our own strength, under our own resources, which is a formula for failure. He says, quit trying so hard to be perfect by your own human effort, but go to your life in the power of the Spirit. Verse, now back to Ephesians. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, again, the inner strength through his spirit is going to come. Second Corinthians, we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our inner being is being renewed day by day. And uh, we're, we're, uh, we're growing on the inside. Uh, I usually work out on Monday, Wednesday, Friday over at my 24-hour fitness. And I think I, I, you know, keep up with that pretty well. But yesterday just about killed me. You know what I did yesterday? I had to keep up with my wife in the garden. <laughs> Beautiful day. And I'll tell you, that woman just wore me out out there and digging and planting stuff. And I'm a true uh, Washingtonite now because we bought our first apple tree. Uh, and so, uh, you know, we're getting ready to plant our first apple tree. I feel like that really makes me I, like I belong in the state now. And have you seen the apple trees now? It's got like, it, it says it's got four kinds of apples on it. I don't know, how do they do that? It's got Fuji's, it's got Honeycrisp, it's got uh, Macintosh. How do they do that? Four different kinds. It's amazing to me. And uh, don't explain it to me. I'll, I'll live with the wonder. Uh, he says again that, that we have this inner strength that God gives. Verse 17, then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. We use this phrase all the time about, you know, well, especially when we're dealing with children. Would you like to invite Jesus Christ to come and be in your heart? Or would you like to give your heart to Christ? Have you heard people say that? Raise your hand if you've ever heard anybody say that. Okay. Where does that come from in the Bible? You might be surprised to know this is the only verse in the whole Bible that talks about Christ in your heart. It's the only verse in the whole Bible. But because Paul is talking again at the core of who you are, your heart, what he says here is Christ will make his home in your hearts. We have a book that was popular back in the 70s called My Heart, Christ's Home. But, uh, you know, you would think it's probably in the Bible hundreds of times. It's only here. Just this one verse that talks about Christ coming and making his home at the very core of who you are. And that happens at last phrase, as you trust in him. R.C. Sproul writes, we hear frequently in the language of uh, Christian sentiments like this. Have you asked Christ in your heart? Is Jesus in your heart? It is such a commonplace Christian idea, so widely discussed and mentioned in our heritage, that you may find it astonishing to discover that this is the only place in the whole Bible that mentions Christ dwelling in our hearts. I heard that recently, by the way, from somebody else, but when R.C. Sproul says that it has authority, so, you know, you'll, you'll believe him. Uh, verse 17 says that, you know, again, Christ will make his home with us. John 14, 23, Jesus said all who, this is him at the Last Supper talking to his disciples. All who love me will do what I say. There's a great test for do you really love Jesus? All who love me will do what I say. My Father will love them. And we will come and make our home with each of them. He says, here's what's going to happen. You know, the people who love me are going to do what I say. And as, as they are, you know, doing what I'm telling them to do, you know, we're going to come and just live with them. We're going to become part of their life. 
Don't ask me to explain how that deep core union works, except I know it does because uh, I've seen things happen with people. One of the first things I've seen with happen with people in their life who become Christians is for the first time in their life, they start to feel guilty about things they didn't feel guilty about before. And I think it's the Holy Spirit comes and he starts to say, you know, maybe you ought to take a look at this area. Maybe there's some changes, you know. It's like, you know, again, when he, when he does come into your home, he wants to kind of clean the place up a little bit, you know, and kind of help make it a little more beautiful maybe and inviting than it is. And we all need that help in our lives. He says, we're going to come and make our home with you. He says, your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. Notice it says uh, that this, this love that God has for us is a progressive thing. It's a growing thing. It's like roots that grow down into God's love. Um, trees, you've seen trees, haven't you? Got to have a good root. What happens if you don't have a strong root system? Well, when the storms come, what happens? The tree falls over. If the root system is not strong, then the, the tree is not going to be able to handle it when the storms come. And may you have the power to understand, as uh, all God's people should. So now, what are we talking about? We're talking about power. We're talking about he has the power. We're talking about he'll give us the power. And here, may he give you the power to understand something. Uh, I have never really felt engaged in studying quantum physics because I'm not sure I could ever fully understand it. I have a friend who's a pastor in Sweden. His favorite thing to do recreationally is read about quantum physics. And I'm like, well, you're a better man than I am to, uh, uh, to find that to be your re recreation. He says, power to understand something. And what is it that all of God's people should understand? He says, all of God's people should understand this. And here's what it is. How wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. Four dimensions of God's love. We know from John 3:16 that God loved the world. Loved it so much he gave his one and only son. And look at the ways he loves us. Number one, wide, how wide it is. Uh, Romans 5, God demonstrates his own love for this and this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You know, so he says maybe for a righteous person you might give your life, but while, while you were a sinner, while you were spitting in the face of God, doing what you wanted to do and you didn't care what anybody thought because it was up to you and you just did your own thing, that's when Christ came to save you. It says in uh, Psalm, he has removed our sins so far from us as the east is from the west. How wide? You know, someone has pointed out that north and south change. You can go north up to the North Pole, and then when you go over the North Pole, what happens? Now you're going south. But there's no place where east and west change. You can keep going east as long as you want to. You'll never be going west as long as you keep going in one of those directions, it never stops. That's how far has he taken your sin away? Uh, that guilt you feel, that shame. Don't let the devil get you under his thumb about things in the past. I've known, I, I, I was in the, years ago, I was called to the emergency room in the hospital. One of our, one of our actually, one of our ushers at church, a uh, great man, and he was in the, uh, he was having like a breakdown. And he was in the, uh, in the, you know, intensive care area of the 
ER because he was just emotionally just going crazy. And I said, Harold, what's the matter? And he said, oh, I cheated on my wife all these years. 30 years ago, I had an affair and I cheated on my wife. I'm thinking, Harold, you put that under the blood of Christ 30 years ago or however many years ago, and you're still living with the guilt and the shame of that, that it's just driving you crazy at this point? I've seen, I've seen Christians devastated by guilt and shame. He's taken it away. His love has done that for you. How long? Ephesians, again, we looked at last week. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his sight forever. How long? You know, forever. Uh, into eternity, Second Peter 1. You will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. How high? Well, you know, Paul, Romans 8. I'm convinced nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Not death or life, angels or demons, fears for today, worries about tomorrow. Even the powers of hell cannot separate us from God's love. Nothing can. That's how high it is all the way to heaven. How deep is it? 1 Peter 2, there's that line in the Apostles' Creed where it says uh, about Jesus that he descended into hell to, as Peter writes, uh, went and preached to the spirits in prison. 1 Peter 4, most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other, for love covers a multitude of sins. That's how his love is, high, wide, uh, high, long, high, and deep. The four dimensions. R.C. Sproul again, do you want everything that God has for you? The full measure of his grace if you're going to achieve full stature in the Christian life, you need to be filled with the love of Christ. He has loved you so much. Express that love to the world around you and start with yourself at the core of who you are. You know, there's 59 statements in the Bible that talk about one another, pray for one another, uh, you know, care for each other, and 21 of those 59 say just love one another. And Jesus said, by this will everyone know you're my disciple if you what? Love one another. Finally, we get to the personal love, the experience of it. May you experience the love of Christ. He says, I want you to have the power to understand it. And as you have the power to understand it, I want you to have the experience of, of knowing it. Though it's too great to fully understand, understand fully. Stedman writes, a baby can feel his mother's love. He knows it, but does he understand it? No, not any more than you and I can understand the amazing love of Christ. Uh, yesterday was a hard day for my son and his family. They live out in Erie, Pennsylvania now, and uh, yesterday they had to uh, put down their dog, a uh, 13-year-old a uh, little dog, cute little dog named Dexter. And, uh, you know, <laughs> he's crying. His wife's crying. The two girls are crying. For days they're crying because Dexter is going to be leaving. Uh, what is it about an animal that can't communicate with you but seems at times to express more love and concern about you than anybody else in the world? Uh, I was watching a part of the NFL draft uh, this week, which was good for the Seahawks, by the way. 
and in uh, one of them, one of the one of the guys is so happy he gets drafted, he starts crying, and right away the little dog comes up in his face because he's crying. And I've I've seen that in life with my kids, and uh, we somehow have a hard time finding love and concern in this world from other people. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. As you experience the love of God, you'll become teleos, this word complete, uh, perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Uh, Everything that God wants you to be will flow from you understanding God's love and accepting God's love and living out God's love. And to the average person, it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I get that. Okay, now go out and do it. It's a little harder when you try to do it. When you're in line at the, uh, at the uh, grocery store and somebody cuts in front of you. When you, uh, you know, are, are out driving in the car and somebody cuts, off, cuts you off or somebody treats you inappropriately or you try to make your case for somebody and they won't listen to you and they won't believe what you're saying and they don't trust you. Uh, it's, it can be so frustrating to continue to love them. But the great, what's the great example? Jesus Christ on the cross and what does he say to those people who are killing him? The people who nailed his hands to the cross and are taking his life, what does he say? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. May you know the fullness of life that comes from understanding these things. James 1, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, lacking in nothing. Same word. Second uh, Corinthians, the Lord who is the Spirit makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. I like the text that says we are being changed from one degree of glory to another. Well, what, what do you think is the temperature in the room? What would you say? 70 degrees, 71, uh, 69. I mean, what, can you tell the difference between 70 and 71? Can you tell the difference of one degree? No, not normally you can't. Uh, and we are being changed one de- degree at a time to reflect the likeness of Jesus Christ as we follow him. And it, then we come to uh, the, this quote from um, Phillips Brooks. Do not pray for easy lives. Pray to be stronger people. Do not pray for tasks equal to your powers, but pray for powers equal to your tasks. Then you shall be a miracle. Amen. And then he closes with this great benediction. Now, all glory to God. I, I didn't understand for a long time what it meant uh, to talk about God's glory. But here's where I've landed, where I understand what it means. It means God gets all the credit. To say God gets the glory means God gets all the credit. All the credit to God who is able. He has the ability to do this through his mighty power. There's that power again. And this power at work within us. And he he uses the word dunamis again here for power. But where the text says at work within us is is the the word is energia. And it's it's, uh, power 
can be in a battery. You can have a, you know, you can get a Tesla battery that, you know, you can run off of solar power, some put all this power, and you have all the power that you can run your house all night long in this huge battery. But that is potential power. But when that power is actualized, that's, that's why he says it's energia. It's energized. This power is energized at, as it works within you to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. And I love this phrase, infinitely more. I want to look at it real quick here. It comes from two Greek words. Uper ek periso. Uper ek periso. And it's kind of a compound word. Now, the word uper... Uh, a lot of times we just say it's like super, like hyper, especially when it's in the genitive. And over, above, across, beyond, it means all those things. Over, above, more, more, more than anything. And then the word uh, uh, parisos uh, says over and above, more than enough, abundantly, exceedingly, vehemently. So what, he, what Paul does is he's, he takes two words that kind of say super, over and above, and he puts them together. So he says, this is like super, super. This is over and above, over and above. Or as I like to say, this is beyond, beyond. So again, super, you got over and above, but I like to get to beyond, beyond. How much power does God have? He has the ability. Through his power that's working in you, and here's what that power can do. It can accomplish more than you could ask or that you could think. You, your, your prayers are too small. Dr. Culbertson used to say you should always thank God that his prayers are greater than your, that his answers are greater than your prayers. Because God knows more, he has more wisdom, more power, and here he can do beyond, beyond, infinitely more than all that you can ask or even think or imagine. And so glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations, forever and ever. Amen. He gets all the credit. He gets all the glory. It was Wiersbe's quote, if our motive is to glorify God by building his church, then God will share his power with us. The power of the Spirit is not a luxury, it is a necessity. Uh, go back one slide. That's why it says glory to him in the church. Now, how many of you would like to get a really good pastor in here? Yeah? You know, uh, what are you doing about that? Uh, are you praying for what you want, or are you praying for what God wants? Are you praying for more than you could even think to ask for? Are you praying that God would give you the pastor that would just be beyond, beyond? Because I think that's going to be the key to success in this endeavor. So God, as we come to you, we pray that you would do immeasurably more, infinitely more, super, super, that you would do more than we could ask, more than we could imagine, more than we could even dream of. God, may your answers to prayer for Cedar Home not be limited to us or our thoughts or prayers even, but may you do above and beyond, over and above, beyond, beyond what we would ask or think as a church because we are committed to be your church. And as our, our commitment to be your church is lived out, may it do so in the power of Jesus Christ. And together we say, amen. amen.